0: I'm a child of god, child of god. Have in my hand the powerful word of god can change lives heal broken hearts save man's soul lord jesus today speak to me in jesus name amen <clears throat> turn over to your neighbor and just say wow wow Can't really worry about what that wow means, but uh, I wanna thank our teenagers for coming yesterday to wash cars. They did a great job, raised uh, almost $230. Thank all of you for coming to let us wash your cars. Uh, They got better as the car washing progressed. The first car, eh, about three times, and we finally got that car going. It was all right. They've learned a great lesson though. When you spray the tire shine on the tire, and it becomes brown, the tire's not clean. But we learned that a brush and a lot of soap and, and elbow grease will make it happen, amen. Yeah. <clears throat> we, they took up thirty about $35 just standing on the corner with a bucket. <laughs> of course, it helped. We put Mariah out there at one time and then Bobby out there at one time. But I think people felt sorry for them. But we had a great time. <clears throat> and uh, Mila was a great... Uh, griller, she did good for the hamburgers and the hot dogs, and they all disappeared very rapidly. Thank all of you, and thank the parents that came to help. And uh, Crystal was here, and she was walking the streets with them out there, threatening them and all that. It was great. <clears throat> We're going to be in three different sections of the New Testament: Second Timothy, Philippians, and Hebrews. And uh, so just get ready to flip to those. I think we probably have the scriptures for you on the screen, but uh, it'll be good for you to flip through them if you need to. To make it through 12 years of high school and for some 16, 17 years getting through college, as Joy has experienced, life has a lot of challenges, doesn't it? It has a lot of challenges. And all of us understand that. All of us understand it. Life will continue to bring challenges to you. And those challenges have to be met. But the wonderful thing about confronting challenges is that we can face them with some victories already under our belt. For instance... All of our graduates and everyone in this room has already encountered some of these. You've graduated from the womb and successfully adjusted to life on the outside. Amen. You graduated from infancy and successfully began the first day of kindergarten. You know, with some tears and fear on the part of your mom as she walked away, not you, you're ready to go, right? you graduated from pre-adolescence and successfully have navigated those teen years if you've graduated from high school and college and into adult world. And as you've graduated from high school and or college, you now must travel the road to adulthood. How can that continued success that you've experienced so far be realized? Well, I want to give you some guidelines this morning on how we can do that. We've all been there. Your heart begins to beat rapidly. There's shortness of breath. You have difficulty swallowing. Your knees are weak. Your hands are cold. And you've never been so hot in your life. And what I've just described is the person who's standing up and the, to give a, their first public speech and all those psychological things happen. The number one fear of every person is public speaking. Did you know that? No one likes to get up in the front and speak. And those that really do, they're they're really funny looking. (laughs) It's it's tough to be up in the front and to speak. Because you have to bring something every time you get up to speak. I was listening to a preacher that I admire and he was saying something that really caught my attention. He said, you know, preachers, every seven days have to come up with a bell ringer. And I thought, I don't even have a bell ringer. How do I get, a, how do I get one of those? But every seven days, he said, you've got to come up with one. And that really made me stop and think about life itself. What is important? This is the most important time I get with you. And I need to make sure that you're getting something. And so I'm praying that you do. One of the greatest hazards to success also is fear. Not all fear is bad. Everyone knows what it's like to to be afraid. Some movies you see make you afraid. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock movies now are so tame, but in the day, boy, the birds flying through the back window and poking the eyes out, nowadays they just... You know, that's, really? I mean, now that you see the arms cut off and the heads cut off and, uh. but fear can immobilize us, keep us from moving forward and we get dominated by that spirit of fear, it paralyzes us, keeps us from being able to do what we need to do. But let's, let's jump right into the guidelines to success. Number one, face your fears. Face your fears. I would say to all graduates, face your fears. Uh, Kelsey had to leave early, so Joey will be who I'm talking to, I guess, this morning. And then all the rest of us, because it fits all of us, too. Our verse we read earlier, 2 Timothy 1, 7, talks to this idea. In the Bible, I want you to know it's fe- uh, full of fear knots. It's full of it. But this particular verse, I think... Fits for our graduates today, especially written to a young man, Timothy, a young pastor at the Church of Ephesus, Paul, his mentor. Paul's encouraging Timothy in this letter not to let others intimidate him because of his young age. Timothy was afraid of being inadequate as a young pastor, he lacked self confidence. And in the second letter to Timothy, Paul writes and reminds him of something. He says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And self-control. He said you serve a God that's filled you with power. And love. And self-control. Joy, being a scholar athlete, he had to learn that. Unless you're an exceptionally good player, you normally have to wait a year to really get playing time. The Los Angeles Lakers are full of old guys that that know how to play basketball. But they run up against these young guys that eventually outrun them. They outrun them. And when that Oklahoma City Thunder team is playing together, they're hard to beat, as the Lakers found out last night. I went to bed, there was a 10-point spread for the Lakers. I thought, yeah, they're not going to come back. Let it go, they're playing out there. They did. They came back and won that thing. Isn't that awesome? And now you can go and see the fourth game in Oklahoma City. Tickets are only $9 million apiece. <laughs> Max Lucado said this, Fear doesn't want you to make the journey to the mountain. If, you can, if, if he can rattle you enough, fear will persuade you to take your eyes off the peaks and settle for a dull existence in the flatlands. Isn't that a powerful statement? So graduates living far from home can sometimes be fearful. Joey didn't live very far from home, but he's far enough. Claremore's far enough. I remember the closer to graduation he got and the end of his season playing got, the bigger the smile his dad had. I remember the last game he was going to see. Jeff's a pretty quiet guy till that day. He said, that's the last game. I'm excited. Something along that nature. And then I saw his mother later at, at research, and she said the same thing. It's the last game, preacher. And I thought, okay, is there something about this? But God has given all of us a spirit of power, not a spirit of fear. God can and will use our lives. But we must be willing to face those fears. We've got to say yes to Jesus, especially on a secular college campus. It's a courageous thing while facing the fear of being stereotyped as a Christian. Say yes to a godly lifestyle in a difficult job. It's a courageous thing while facing the fear of ridicule. Saying no to the drugs and the parties that you're invited to is a courageous thing. I'm already telling our young people who are getting ready for high school how much they they think they're under pressure now. They have no idea what they're fixing to walk into. Say no. Of course, I know this is Jinx, and they don't sell drugs in the hallway in Jinx High School. They don't syringe-fill oranges with alcohol and suck on them all day. Not here at Jinx. Some of you are going, why? Now you expect that at East Central High School. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jinx? The hallowed halls of Jinx? <laughs> Staying in a marriage that's hit a dead end. It's a courageous thing. It's a courageous thing. Saying yes to honesty and integrity, especially in the academic world. It's a courageous thing to face the fear of bad grades because you didn't study. One of the biggest battles you'll face in life is the battle for honesty. Dishonesty is rooted in fear. It reminded me of the rancher who asked a veterinarian for some free advice. He said, I have a horse. It walks normally sometimes, and then limps sometimes. And the veterinarian and he says, "What should I do?" And the veterinarian says, "Well, the next time he walks normally, sell him." <laughs> Dishonesty is the norm today, and it? it takes courage to be honest on a resume, to not cheat, or on an exam to be fair with business practices. It's appalling, isn't it, when our elected leaders select people to serve who have to clean up their life before they can actually serve? That just, it just bothers me a lot. Because <clears throat> they've been getting away with it for so many years, but now they've been exposed. That's what happens when cockroaches have a light turned on, they run to the dark. Face the fear in your lives show integrity. It was a test conducted by a university where ten students were placed in a room, three lines of varying length drawn on a card. The students were told to raise their hands when the instructor pointed to the longest line. But nine of the students had been instructed beforehand to raise their hands when the instructor pointed to the second longest line. One student was the stooge, and the usual reaction of a stooge is to put your hand up Look around, see nobody else's is up, and jerk yours down. It happened 75% of the time with students from, grades, uh, from grade school through high school. And the researchers concluded that many would rather stand with the majority than risk being right and alone. Now's the time when you will have to face Some of the greatest fears squarely in your life. Joy's through school. He has a lot of fond memories about college. Some he could tell us. Most he can't. I went to a Bible college. Some I can tell you. Most I can't. But I'm telling you, they're fond memories. There were friendships that I made during those college years that I still have to this day. 35 years later, I can call any of those guys that I hold in my inner circle from college. They'd be there in a minute. Now, that's what it's about, isn't it? That's what it's about. But Joy's going to have to find that job and, you know, put, put his neck out there and get that resume online, and here we go. Here we go. the second guideline forget your failures that'll be in the book of philippians we're going to be in chapter three forget your failures now this is always a good passage for new years but i think it fits us today paul's in prison when he's writing this chained to a roman guard under probably the worst conditions you could ever think to write something when he says not that i have already attained this I have not already been perfected. In other words, I have not been made like Christ in every way. But I strive to lay hold of that which, for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have attained this. In other words, I haven't reached that level of maturity yet. Instead, I am single-minded, forgetting the things that are behind. And that's a good thing. Because Paul had made a bunch of mistakes. <laughs> including persecuting Christians. And then he goes on to say, And reaching out for the things that are ahead. And then Verse 14. With this goal in mind, I strive toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul had enrolled in Christ-likeness university, pursuing a course of study that would prepare him to live like the Savior. Guess what? We're all enrolled in that too. We're all enrolled in it. You're supposed to be acting like Christ. And if somebody upsets you, you're supposed to love them and forgive them. Well, you just don't understand what that guy's doing to me. <laughs> so? The next time you're so angry and mad at somebody that you just, you want to spit nails at them. I want you to come to the church. I want you to walk up to that cross and spit your nails. Is that not what we're doing? Is that not what we're doing when we won't forgive? As Ephesians four says, we should forgive others as God has forgiven us. Ooh, ooh. Gone from preaching to meddling now, haven't we? Paul makes two implications with this statements in these verses. Number one, he refuses to allow failures to become destructive in his life. Number two, he refuses to allow failures to overwhelm his journey to that goal. But what's the secret? He put his past behind him and determined to have a mental, positive mental attitude about life. Now, you can be naive about life. Or, Cindy has a, one of the bosses that she works with. He's one of these, I don't know what he is. But all everything is great. Oh, this is great. Everything's great. I mean, the whole place could be on fire. He'd find a way to go, man, this is great. One of those kind of people. You know who I'm talking about? You got them? You want to kill them right on the spot, don't you, most of the time? Because you wonder, are they even in real life here? But you know, that is a great attitude to have, that, that, that really everything is great. These are just momentary opportunities to grow and make life great. Amen? Because every struggle we have, we can look back in our past and see where God brought us through one before. And when we see where he's brought us through before, I, I bet he can handle this one too. But there's always a, we always have a part in that. We always have to, a part to play. It's not if you fail, but when. But when you fail, learn from it and then put it behind you. Never allow failure to make you quit and quit trying. In the midst of World War II, Oxford University asked the then Prime Minister Winston Churchill to address the commencement exercises. Dressed in his finest suit, he arrived at the auditorium. The service was to be held in and had his usual props, his cigar, his cane, and his top hat. Winston Churchill approached the podium. Crowd rose in applause. Standing there, looking very dignified, settled the crowd down, stood confidently before the crowd, full of great admirers, he removed his cigar, placed his top hat on the podium. Churchill gazed at his waiting audience, which included most of the noted scholars of the world, and with an authoritative tone in his voice, he began his speech with three words, never give up. And what seemed like an eternity of silence, he looked up and shared three words again, never give up. And with that, he put his hat on and got his cigar and his speech was over. To reach the goal of which Paul spoke, we must follow the final guideline, and that's follow your faith. Never give up. If your marriage is in trouble, never give up. If your children are disobedient, never give up. If you screwed up at work, never give up. If you've worked for a company for a number of years and were looking forward to retiring at that company and they all of a sudden terminate you, never give up. If your health is deteriorating, never give up. I was walking through my house the other day And my bad knee went just like this, that fast. I just took one step and went like that. That's a whole new world now. It's been 26 years since the doctor said, I'll be happy if you can walk and not fall down. That was his words of encouragement to me, after the surgery. Because in 1986, they didn't fix knees like mine. They just kind of repaired it and sent you on your way. Oh, I've been very careful for 26 years where I went and how I stepped and all that. Well, I'm just walking through my house. So you never know. But i got to follow my faith. Put ice on it, and I've done all those things, and I'm standing in front of you today, and I wasn't sure I'd be able to. And it hurts. But I don't hurt nearly as much as Jesus did hanging on from the cross. So I can endure a little bit more. So if I hobble out of here, you'll, you'll understand why. Follow your faith. Hebrews 12.1, the book of Hebrews was written to Christians who were struggling in the faith, wavering in their devotion to Christ because they were going through some hard times. And, and, and the writer of Hebrews encourages the saints to not give up. Victory's in sight. Therefore, verse 1, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... He says, listen up, hear the voices. Right on the rim of heaven are all those saints who've gone before who are screaming for us, go, man, go, go, man, go. And when we do something good for God, they're going, yahoo Yo! And when you go to a graduation, they always tell you, right? We'd like for you to be dignified and not make a loud noise when your child's name is announced. Because it will cause someone else's name not to be heard. And right? So they hero rah. <laughs> And the kid behind me doesn't get their name announced because they're everybody's screaming about Harold Phillips, right? It's crazy. But you know, they've got to have some kind of decorum. Otherwise, it'd be a, it'd be crazy in there. But we've got a great cloud of witnesses around us. And when you do something great for God, the applause of heaven. Max Licato wrote a book called The Applause of Heaven. You ought to get it and read it. It's a great book. He says, we must get rid of every weight and the sin that clings so closely. In other words, clear out the clutter. I had a little friend at college who posted on Facebook that all of her earthly possessions could be put in her car. I remember when I left college after four years, I had the smallest U-Haul trailer that you could buy and it still wasn't full. Cleared up. And then he goes on to say, And run with endurance the race set out for us. Following your faith is not a game of hopscotch. There's some endurance that's required. Look at verse 2. Keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. In other words, look up. You're not running the race alone. You've got a prize waiting for you. Run to the prize. Keep your eyes on the goal. Don't stop. Don't, don't look back. Don't look down. Don't look. Keep your eyes forward. Coach Brian can tell you when he's coaching the track kids, you don't take off running track and, and start looking around. You start looking around and you slow down. You run. It's run, Forrest, run. Have you ever watched that Forrest Gump movie? Forrest never looked back. He's straight ahead, man. And before long, he's 94 miles down the road. But he's, gone, he's on a goal. Set your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfector of your faith. Who, look at it, says, for the joy set out for Him endured the cross. Now what joy is there in enduring a cross? January 31st, 1970. Saturday morning, 1030. This guy was buried in baptism. That's the joy he was waiting for. What day did he find your joy? I'm telling you, you ought to be able to whip that date out and that time and that place. Well, boy, I I, I don't remember. It didn't mean much to you then, did it? Well, now, by golly, now, now, by golly, you can't. No, 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 no. If it really meant something to you. You see what I'm saying? Come on, this ought to be real stuff going on. For the joy set before Him He endures the cross dis- disregarding its shame and taking His seat at the right hand of the throne. Verse 3. Think of Him who endures such opposition against Himself by sinners so that you may not grow weary in your souls and give up. Don't give up. Never give up. The Hebrew writer always uses metaphors and All runners need a reference point, as I mentioned. NASA illustrated that better than anybody in the ill-fated mission of Apollo 13. The astronauts needed to make a critical course correction. If they failed, they might never return to Earth. So to conserve power, they shut down the onboard computer that steered the craft. The astronauts needed to conduct a 39-second burn of the main engines, but how were they going to steer it? Astronaut Jim Lovell determined that if they could keep a fixed point in space in view through their little window, they could steer the craft manually. Well, the very focal point that they chose was the planet Earth. And as the movie from 1995 demonstrated, Apollo 13, for 39 agonizing seconds, Jim Lovell focused on keeping the earth in view. And by not losing sight of that reference point, those three astronauts returned. Scripture reminds us, back in verse 2 of Hebrews 12, to fix your eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. Wow. For Christians, our reference point is Jesus. You can be flexible on many things in life, and you should be. But when it comes to the true north of the Savior, don't waver. Don't waver. Don't say you're a Christian and then not be one. Don't say you're going to do this for Christ and not do it. focus, remove obstacles, tie into a local church. I would encourage graduates to do that. Never forget that we have this great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, cheering us on, cheering us on. Got to face our fears, forget our failures, follow our faith. And I can't pass the opportunity to offer that to you by way of invitation. Every graduate, I hope, will apply this. Every person hearing the message today will apply this. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I ask you this morning, to be real to us. Just as we've challenged our graduates in their walk may we all be challenged to face our fears to forget our failures and to follow our faith because God it's all summed up at the cross if I accept Jesus as my savior I don't fear even death if I learn from my mistakes and forget them because you're more concerned about t- today and tomorrow than you are about yesterday. And if I will follow my faith and place it in you, God, I got, I got hope. So, Father, today, if there's somebody in this room that's never, ever, ever asked you to be their Lord and Savior. What a day it would be for that to happen. God, I'd love the chance to sit down and talk to them and to teach them in Scripture what that means. And God, we're just praying for them. There may be a host of others that all oh, they've been a Christian for a while. But life has happened. They've gotten distracted or sidetracked or whatever. Would you reassure them that you love them and care about them? And God, would they make a decision today to let you be? That Lord and Master again in their life, that you would be number one in their life. So, Father, if there's a decision to be made, would they do it this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's